this morning in our series that, uh, that I've been teaching on the blessed life. And uh, I am excited about what, what all God is doing. I'm so thankful that God does desire for His people. He desires for us to live not just some paltry life, not just, not a life that is, that is full of sorrow and pain, but God wants us to live a blessed life. That's not to say that there won't be sorrows and there won't be pain along the way, but I believe that the children of God are the most blessed people on planet earth. I believe that. Even in, even in suffering, you can be blessed. And I believe that God has a blessed people. I believe that this is a blessed church. I'm so thankful to be part of this church. I'm thankful to be part of His family today. Amen. We're going to uh, begin in the book of Exodus t- today. Exodus chapter 13. If you have your Bible, want to turn there. Uh, we will get to it in just a moment. This series that uh, I have been teaching is a series that... Um, I had taught several years ago, and I believe that it was a blessing to the church. Just felt to uh, to reteach this. It's also one in which it is based on a book that, if you want to pick that up, you may be able to get even additional insight. It's written by Pastor Robert Morris of Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas, called "The Blessed Life," and uh, that is uh, that is a uh, source material for a lot of what we are getting into today, but we're going to dive into the Word of God here this morning. The title of this particular installment of this series is The Principle of First. So I want to start out just by making this statement that if God is first in your life, then everything else will come into order. That if we put God first... Everything in your life will come into order. And I'm not saying that you won't have difficulties, that you won't have problems, you're not gonna, uh, that you won't go through struggles, because Jesus himself, he said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. But would you rather go through tribulation with everything in order, or would you rather go through it with chaos? I would rather go through tribulation with everything in order, that Jesus is first, and that he's taking care of everything. Because if Jesus is first, everything else in your life will come into order. If he's not first, then nothing will come into order in your life. I believe that. Let's, let's start in the book of Exodus, chapter 13. And I'm going to read this from the New King James Version today. We're going to pick up uh, or start in verse number 1. It says that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying... Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. I wish that I could adequately explain to you how emphatic the language is here in the Hebrew. This phrase when he says, it is mine. It is my property, he says. It it belongs To me, God is saying, I am the owner of this. And it's extremely emphatic when he is saying the very first things, the very firstborn, whatever opens up the womb among the children of Israel, that belongs to me. It's very important to understand 
that when we talk about the principle of first, he says that the first thing belongs to me. It doesn't belong to me, but it belongs to him. That's where the, who the first things belong to. Okay, now let's skip down to verse 12 of that same chapter. It's continuing on in this, this same, uh, uh, same context here. It says that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The males shall be the Lord's. Again, this ownership language. The males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Watch that phrase. It says you shall redeem it with a lamb. If you will not redeem it, then you're going to break its neck. Well, that's seemingly a very harsh thing to, 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 for God to tell his people. But this is a very important thing to understand that if you don't redeem it, he says you're going to lose it anyways. So we're going to apply this, this principle, and I believe, I believe that this principle is, is one that, uh, this principle of first is one that extends throughout Scripture, and we can see that the first things belong to God. We, we see here the firstborn, let's, I guess, complete that Scripture. It says, all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And so here today we have three points uh, if you're looking at your no- your notes that we just handed out, the first point is that the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed, one or the other. Your firstborn must be either sacrificed or redeemed, and that's this principle that we get here from the Old Testament. It's it's referring to this this principle that goes all throughout Scripture that the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. You say, well, what do you mean all of Scripture? The sacrifices ended with the Old Testament. Yes, they did. These physical sacrifices, what we just read here, ended with the Old Testament. But we'll see that the principle still sticks that the firstborn belongs to God. And that the firstborn must either be sacrificed or redeemed. Not just the firstborn, but the first things belong to God. And so, the question might be, you know, how do you know if the first needs to be sacrificed or if it needs to be redeemed? And so he gives these two different animals as these exemplary categories of animals as a whole. He gives us the donkey and he gives us the lamb. And so the donkey, if you understand the the Old Testament uh, teachings on, on what is clean and what is unclean, the donkey would be an unclean animal. It's, it represents unclean animals. That which is unclean cannot be sacrificed. The lamb represents clean animals. So how do you know which is which? Well, if it's a clean animal, it says that the firstborn needs to be sacrificed. If it's an unclean animal... It has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean animal. Let me say that again. If it's a clean animal, then the firstborn is sacrificed. You have a blank there on your notes. The firstborn of clean animals are sacrificed. The firstborn of unclean animals 
are redeemed. They're redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean animal. Now, maybe you're asking today, how in the world does this relate to us? How how do we uh, live this out today? Were, Were you and I born spiritually clean or, or unclean. It's, you know, I believe that you know, for us today, every one of us was born unclean. We needed our sins washed away from us. Every single one of us was born into sin. I could prove it by asking some of the experts in the room, and I would put myself in that category that if you have young children, you don't have to teach them to be bad. <laughs> you don't have to teach them. Uh, you know, that just kind of comes naturally. Not, not that they are all bad human beings, but uh, we all have that something in us that at times will, uh, will be rebellious or at times will, you know, come, uh, come against um, that which we should be doing. It's just part of our sinful nature. It's something that we were born with. Uh, it's not something that we picked up from other people, but, you know, the Bible says that we were all born into sin. And so uh, this is something that comes naturally for us. All of us were born unclean. Now, how about Jesus? Was Jesus born clean or unclean? He was born clean. Jesus did not receive the sinful nature of mankind because he did not have an earthly father. That he was born of a virgin, Mary, but from her, his his father, he was the son of God. So him, as the son of God, he was born clean. He did not have the sinful nature of Adam. That's not to say that he could not sin. He was tempted in all manner as we were, that he had the possibility he he could have if he would have chosen to. But Jesus, he was born clean. So if you follow some of this, that principle of the clean and the unclean animal, the clean, which is Jesus had to be sacrificed so that the unclean, you and I, could be redeemed. It brings this principle of the firstborn clean, the, 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 the clean uh, animal, the, the unclean animals, uh, those of the Old Testament being sacrificed or redeemed. All of us have experienced the same thing. We've experienced the clean being sacrificed in the place of us, the unclean, who needs to be redeemed. That's how important this principle is. We're going to see that principle, uh, that this principle, it refers in many ways also back to the way that we give and, and the tithing that we give back to God. But I want to say something that, that maybe you haven't ever thought of before, um, except for it's, it's there in, in your notes, but... That God himself, you could say that he tithed of himself. That when Jesus died on the cross, that was his tithe to us. It was a tithe that he was paying to us. You, you, he was giving himself. It says in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 that God commendeth his love toward us in that when? When I got all cleaned up, 
when I got everything right in my life, when I got everything fixed up, then he came and, and his sacrifice on the cross, then it was available to me. No. First, when I was still in my sin, when I was still a dirty mess, from the very beginning, Christ died for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave first. He gave himself first on the cross. See, this, this principle of first and, and, and giving, it really, it all comes down to faith. When you are giving of your first, we'll, we're going to get into some of these principles of giving and giving of your first, how this boils down to faith. But you, you, don't, you don't pay all of your other bills and then see whether or not you have anything left over to tithe. At least not according to this principle of first and giving in faith. You give the tithe first. You give the first 10%. Not just 10%, but you give the first 10% because it takes faith to give first. It takes faith. So when God said, when, when your sheep has a lamb, he said to his people, I want you to give me the first lamb. That took faith. They didn't know if they were ever going to have any other lambs. This may be the only lamb that is born to them this entire spring. But before you have any more, he says, I want you to step out in faith and give me the very first of what you have. The very first thing that I've given to you, I want you to give that to me. Before your sheep, before any of your livestock produce anything else, I want you to give me your first. Now that takes faith. It takes faith to step out not knowing if there's going to be enough. Not knowing if there's going to be more. And to give God what came first. But God, he didn't say, you know, wait until your sheep has ten lambs. And then give me one of those lambs. You can, you can give me the one, you know, keeps getting in the garden, the one that, you know, you really don't like, that, that lamb that is the trouble one, the one that doesn't look like it's going to be healthy. You know, go ahead, you can, you can give me that lamb. Just you know, pick whatever ten, you know, out of the ten lambs that are born, just give me one of them. No, he says, I want the first lamb. He said, you give me the first one before you have any other lambs. Why? Because it takes faith to give of the first. It's... I, we gave some reasons last week, if you were with us last week, of, of why I could say that it's, it's 10% that we give to God, that it's, you know, one of every $10 that you have, it's, it's going to be the same across the board for anybody, whether you have a lot or you have a little. Uh, 10 is this symbol of testing. Uh, we have all these reasons for why perhaps uh, it, was, it was a 10% that God would ask to give. But, but I, I, I believe also it's not just that he's asking for 10 or the, the 10%, but it's that he is asking for the first because it's that first that enacts faith. It's the first 10% that enacts the blessing. When you give the first 10%, you are giving in faith. And when you give in faith, it enacts the blessing of God upon your life. So when I, going back to when I said that, that God gave his tithe, when he gave his life on the cross, 
When Jesus, when he, when he went to the cross, this was God's tithe to us. It's because God, he laid down his life first for us. There's going to be a whole lot of people who they don't accept any of that. That he died in vain for them. Yet he still died for them. He gave his life in vain for many people who they would not turn, they will not turn to him. Yet he still gave his life. Why? It, it takes, it takes faith in, for him to come and to, to hang on a cross so that others may believe in him so that they could have their sins washed away. So that they could, could meet him in heaven. It's, it's him giving of himself first before we're cleaned up, before we ever, we ever get redeemed. Uh, the only way that we can be redeemed is by him giving his life. So here it's the first 10%. Now think, think about this. If you go back, I know we have some Bible scholars in the room. You understand kind of how the children of Israel, you, uh, how, how they uh, would entered into the promised land. And even though they entered into the promised land, uh, not everything was uh, just easy going from there. They had some battles that they needed to fight. They had some uh, victories that needed one. There was cities that were there. There's giants that were there. They needed to overcome them. Uh, but God, they finally believed that God was going to be with them. They, uh, of course, had wandered around the wilderness for 40 years because at first they didn't have faith. In those 40 years, those, those fortresses and cities just got stronger and stronger. But Joshua finally leads them into the promised land. And if you see uh, in Joshua chapter 6, verse 19... God asks something of his people. He says when, to his people, when, when you go into the promised land, he says, I want you to bring all of the silver, all of the gold, the vessels of brass, of iron, and consecrate them unto the Lord. For they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Now, what he's speaking of here is, is this battle of Jericho. When they go into Jericho, they would come in and God promised them that they would have victory. But what God did not say to them prior to going into this battle was, I want you to bring 10% of what you take from Jericho and give that to me. He didn't ask for 10%. Rather, he says, I want you to give all that you find in Jericho and bring that to me consecrate that unto the Lord. Why is he asking of everything from Jericho to come to him? Well, it's, it's simple. This is the very first city that they would come to in the promised lands. It's this principle of first, that the very first things belong to God. He said, bring the first into the house of the Lord, and then the rest are going to be redeemed. The rest of the spoils are going to no longer be cursed. They're going to be blessed. So bring the first part. You see, the first portion is this redemptive portion that belongs to God. So when you give the first to God, the rest of what you have is redeemed. The first belongs to God, and it redeems the rest. So when you give the first to God, and the rest of what you have is redeemed, if you think about this for yourself... When you give the first portion to the mortgage company, 
Because the mortgage company does not have the power, the mortgage company it does not have the power to redeem the rest. They don't have the power to bless your finances. But God does have that power. The first portion, the first 10%, that goes to God. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Okay, the second point. The second point here is that the first fruits must be offered. Again, I want to just key in on these words. They must be, according to this principle that works all, all throughout Scripture, the first fruits, he says, must be offered. Let's go. This is not just something that we read in the in the books of the law, book of Exodus, uh, but we can turn here to Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and ten say, "Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty; and thy presses shall burst out with new wine." Let's go back to the book of Exodus, chapter 23, verse 19. It says, the first of the first fruits. Kind of like that phrase. It's like, you know, God's just saying, you know, just in case you don't understand what I'm saying, it's, it's the very first of the first fruits. It says, the very first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. First of the first fruits. Last week, we saw in the book of Malachi how he said to bring the tithes into the storehouse. And how the tithe, that always comes to the church. You can't divide your tithe. You can't designate your tithe. Uh, you can't give your tithe somewhere else with the tithe that it should be brought to the storehouse. Because the reason that God uses this word bring instead of the word give is because the tithing belongs to him. It says bring this to me. Don't. You're not giving this. It belongs to me already. So bring it to whom it belongs. The first 10% belongs to me. So bring the tithe to the storehouse. Don't, don't give it. If you're giving, that means that it belongs to you. Giving something means you have something and it, it's in your possession. You have this and and now it belongs to you and you're giving it away to somebody else. But when you bring something, it's you returning something back that never belonged to you in the first place. You're, you're bringing the tithe to the storehouse. Why? Because the tithe belongs to God. So you have two choices, really, according to Scripture. And I know this is, this is really a strong statement. We, I made it last week already, though. But that with your tithes, you can either bring it or you can steal it. This is not me saying this. This is what Malachi had taught. And, and Malachi had told uh, the people as, as he was the prophet of God that they were stealing from God. He says, how does a man, why are you robbing God? What do you mean robbing God? They were stealing that which belonged to God. They were not bringing the tithe to the storehouse. And so you can either, with that tithe, you can either bring it or you can steal it. Those are the two choices according to Scripture. Because why? Because that belongs to God. Now remember when God said, bring all the silver and all the, the gold that comes from Jericho. Let me just reference this. There was one particular man. His name was Achan. 
who he kept some of it. They went on to the next city and they end up losing the battle until the thing that he had taken came to the storehouse of God. So here's the point. In Joshua chapter 6, God calls the tithe consecrated or set apart. It's the same thing as as what he's calling the firstborn. And in Joshua chapter 7, Achan took that thing. Israel, he says, has stolen from me and now they are cursed. It's consecrated when you bring it to the house of God, but it's cursed when you leave it in your possession. It's consecrated when you bring the first to the house of God. It's cursed when you leave it in your bank account. So here is a really simple, straightforward question is, why would you want something cursed sitting in your bank account? I mean, if yours is like mine, your bank account has enough problems as it is. So why do you want something cursed that's sitting there that belongs to God and you're keeping it for yourself? Why wouldn't you want your bank account to be blessed, having God's favor on it? And you see, we, we're talking about living the blessed life. I believe that God can bless you living on 90%. That has been redeemed. And that can go much further than the 100% that you keep for yourself that does not have the blessing of God on it. I understand that this takes faith to do it. It takes faith to give the very first. Before you have, you know, before you've paid everything else and then you see whether or not you have what it takes to get through the rest of the month. That takes faith to do that. But that's exactly the type of faith that God is requesting of you when he says, bring to me what belongs to me, and then I'm going to bless the rest. Okay, another place that we see this principle in Scripture is with Cain and Abel. All the way back to the two firstborn children, all the earth, and Cain and Abel. The question arises, why did God accept Abel's offering but He did not accept Cain's offering. So let's go to this passage of Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. It says, in the process of time, and those words are very important here, that in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And notice it does not say that he brought an offering of the first fruits. It just says he brought an offering in the course of time, or the process of time. But Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Okay? So this is simple. Cain, he was a farmer, but he did not bring his first fruits. Abel was a rancher, and he brought the firstborn. So God said, I will accept the firstborn. I won't accept what is not the first fruits. And it says, Cain was very wroth. His countenance fell. I have taught, and I still believe that it is, it is, uh, it is indicative of what God uh, desires from the beginning is a blood sacrifice. 
and that there is something to the sacrifice that Cain, or I'm sorry, that Abel would bring that was a blood sacrifice. And we see the symbolism that's connected with that. And you see the pattern of blood all throughout Scripture. But it, if you read, if you read through the Old Testament, you will see that some of the sacrifices and the offerings that God was requesting of his people had nothing to do with blood. There were grain offerings. There's times where they would just bring of, bring things that it was not the sacrifice of an animal. And so it could not be, and this is not under the law. I mean, this is well many years before the law. But even when the law came to be, God did accept offerings that were of grain. Not only accept them, but God asked for them. God wanted a grain offering. God wanted these other types of offerings. So it's not this fact that, that Cain brought the, that of his garden and, and that Abel brought an animal there and God only accepted the animal. Uh, no, it was, it was the fact that Abel, he brought the firstborn of his flock. Cain, it mentions nothing of that which came first. Nothing of the first fruits. It's of the process of time that Cain brought fruit from the ground. I believe that there is, there is something that, that speaks to us from that, that from the very beginning, the very first sacrifices that we see, the very first offerings that we see, that it is a difference between bringing the first fruit of that which came first and that which was just an offering. And that God delineated between the two. God accepted one. He could not accept the other. And I didn't say that he just did not. But God could not accept the other. There's some things that God cannot do. God cannot act outside of himself. That he cannot act outside of his character. I think that one of the greatest studies that we can do. Uh, is to study the attributes of God so that you know who God really is. So if we can just look just at a very brief uh, study of who God really is. There's three things that God cannot do. Three things God cannot do. And you have these blanks in your note. The first notes that the, the first thing is that God, he cannot change. God cannot change. Theologically, this is called the immutability of God. It's impossible for God to change. The reason that it's not possible for God to change is because if God could change, it would be for the better and God can't get any better. God is already perfect. Remember our main text from last week, it was in Malachi, he said, in Malachi 3.6, it said, I am the Lord, I change not. I do not change. Okay, the second thing God cannot do, God cannot think. And I say this in the, if I can clarify this, he, he, he cannot think in the way that we think. I know the Bible tells us uh, about the thoughts of God, but, you know, that actually, you know, proves this theology that he cannot think in the way that we think. The reason that God cannot think is because God is omniscient. If you break that word omniscient down, it comes from two words, omni and science. 
Omni means all, all-encompassing. Science here means knowledge. So God has all knowledge. So the reason that God cannot think in the way that we think is because we think in order to figure things out, in order to remember things, in order uh, to, to try to you know, put pieces of the puzzle together. That's, that's, we're thinking in that sense. But, but God's never trying to figure something out. You know, if I can say it another way, nothing has ever occurred to God. He's never just been like going and just like, wow, you know what I just thought of? I, I just thought of something that I've never thought of before. Why? Why, why is that? It's because God, he knows everything all in one moment. God is not, he is not, uh, constrained by time. He is not constrained by space, and he's definitely not constrained by knowledge. God has all knowledge. It's, it's true. God has never heard something, and then he's, he's just like, wow, this is something I've never, ever thought of before. So God, he cannot think the way that we think. Now, when I say that your mind, um, say that your mind may have, you know, went to a certain scripture when it's like, you know, wait a minute, God... God thinks when he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. But that scripture is really saying exactly this. He's saying, I don't think in the way that you think. That as the heavens are above the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I don't think the way that you think. Okay, the third thing, that, and we could list off so many more attributes of God. But this third point here is, is, is that you are going to see how all of this relates in, to what we're talking about. And the, this point is that God cannot be second. He cannot be second. This principle or this uh, characteristic of God is known as the preeminence of God. If something is imminent, that means it's first. God is not only imminent, he is preeminent. So he's not only first of all, but he's before all. So God is higher than all, he's above all, he's first, and he's not only first of all, but he is before all. God is first. So in our lives, we talk about, about putting God first, and that's good. Because we do need to put God first in our lives. But if we could really understand this, it's that even if we don't put God first in our lives, He's still first. Because that order cannot be rearranged. It's an order that's set in the universe. Cannot change. God, He cannot change. He will always be first. God's never going to be second. The reason I'm telling you that God couldn't accept Cain's offering is because God's God is always first and Cain didn't bring a first offering to God. So God said, I'm sorry, I can't accept a second place offering because I'm always in first place. And so here we have the tithe and better get to my last point to wrap this up today. In Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30, it says in all the tithe of the land, all of it, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, it's the Lord's. It's holy 
unto the Lord. It's set apart to the Lord. This is why it's stealing, because he set it apart for himself. That's why it has to be first, because God is first. He owns it. So in other words, if we're going to return it back to him, we, we return it to him firstly. And so as we look at, at this, as we wrap this, wrap this up today, that this tithe, and, and here's, if I, if I could just kind of share for, for myself, you know, let's, how, how do I implement this? How, how, how ought we to implement this in our lives? I went back to that, uh, the mortgage company, you know, who gets paid first and who it is. And you know, sometimes I get asked uh, the question of, you know, when, when you're giving and you're tithing, you know, what, what do you tithe from? What do you tithe, tithe from your, your net? Do you tithe from your gross? You know, what, what do you tithe from? I would say, you know, let's, uh, what, what you're getting paid of, of your increase, uh, what, what is, what is really coming to you? And I know that the, your job, they may take some things out first. And so I'm not saying that you're going to be cursed because they take out the taxes and they take out your insurance and they take that out. Uh, but let's, let's give of that which even came before those things were taken out. And I don't want to sit here and, and I'm not casting curses on, on anybody, but, uh, but what I want to offer is let's live in the blessing of God. This is not about the curse, but rather this is about let's live the blessed life. Let's live in the blessing of God, which is to give back to God what belongs to him. Now, let's say, let's say you get paid and let's say I get paid. I, I, uh, for myself, will get paid and, and maybe I go home and, uh, and now my wife, she's gone and she went, she went grocery shopping before I paid my tithes. Do I slap that out of her hand and say, what are you doing? We're going to be Curse. No, I believe that there's, this is not to be legalistic about. This is not to, you know, to, to say that, you know, now God is not going to show favor. He's not going to bless us at all by, without doing this. It's more so a principle about what do we put priority on? How do we live putting God first in everything that we do? Let's live with a little bit of faith. And I know as we teach through this series, that there's things that perhaps for yourself, you are wrestling in your mind, thinking, how can I begin to implement this for myself? This is something that, that you don't currently do. I don't, I don't bring any of this in condemnation to anybody. I don't bring any of this in, you know, with a, the heart of, uh, of trying to force your hand to do something. I'm simply offering godly principles. Principles, the scripture talks about tithing, it talks about money often. And this is something that, you know, just a couple times a year, we, we uh, rather just once a year, uh, we, we might dive into is, is talking about what do we do with that which God has blessed us with? What do we do with our finances? And I want you to live a blessed life. And so that's why I'm offering this today, that we would give back to God that which is first. Amen. Brother Zach, would you mind coming to the piano just for a minute? For us, if we could all stand in this place, I know our Sunday school classes have made their way back in. We've had some that have joined us here this morning, so thankful that you're here. I believe that God 
He has so much blessing in store for his people. God has so much that he wants to just pour out, open up the windows of heaven, pour out blessings upon you. That God wants to bless you even today, right here in this place. That there are so many who you came into here with a need, you came into here knowing that if you could just touch, touch God, even maybe just the hem of his garment, that you might be healed. I'm so thankful for a God who he can extend healing to you today. I'm so thankful for a God who if you have financial problems, God, he has all the answers to them. I'm so thankful for a God that we serve that whatever kind of relational issues are going on in your life, God can come in and he can be the fixer of those things that it doesn't seem like they could be repaired. God is the answer to all of that. God is the one who has the blessing. God wants to bless you today. And so let's hear this morning as we wrap this uh, Bible class up this morning. Just extend a hand up to him and just thank him for his blessings. Just thank him for who he is. Could you just worship him here today? Could you just pray to him and just say, thank you, Lord. God, I pray that you would help us. Lord, for those who this morning are are just chewing on what has been taught, God. Lord, chewing on, Lord, this, this principle of first. Lord, I pray that you would help somebody to step out in faith. That you would help somebody to just, just reach down a little bit and to say, God, maybe I could try you. As we talked about last week, Lord, it's a test. You're testing us, and you also said that we could test you. So, God, maybe I could test you today. God, I could give my first. Lord, I could give that which belongs to you. Lord, I'm I'm thankful for your blessings, God. I'm thankful that you do not change and that we have seen throughout the course of human history uh, that when we give back to you what belongs to you, God, when we honor you in all ways and when we put you first in our lives, God, that you order everything. And so, Lord, help us to put our priorities in the right place today. Lord, I pray that we as a church, Lord, would prioritize things Uh, rightly, Lord, that even as we begin here in just a a little bit, Lord, to go into a time of worship, God, that we would set aside every distraction, that we would set aside everything so that we could put you first. God, let us, let us experience your presence here today. Jesus, Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God.